everyone doing on this fine Sunday morning? Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Let's take a minute to thank God for seeing us through another week, right? For keeping all of us and our families safe from all hurt, harm, and danger, right? I mean, think about it. And I'm not excluding those who were not as fortunate to be able to say that they didn't encounter anything difficult, but we can thank him anyway, because regardless of what is happening in our lives right now, we know that God is in control, right? If anybody is in control, God is in control for the good, for the bad and the indifferent. He controls the winds the tides, and the hearts of men. We might not understand his plans, but his plans have everything to do with what goes according to his purpose, right? And for that, we give him thanks, especially when we don't understand what he's doing, even more when we don't understand what he's doing. We give him thanks And we just let him do what he has to do. You know what? I can go on all morning speaking about his mercies and his goodness. Because he is just that awesome. There is none like him. There is none before him. Whew. Okay. Okay. Let's get into housekeeping. Hey. Were you aware that City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours. These tours are designated to give you a unique opportunity to learn the history of the New York City neighborhoods that you are currently running through, right? When you're running to get your workout on. You can choose from 23 different tours of neighborhoods in Manhattan, Queens, 
Brooklyn, and the Bronx. For a list of neighborhoods and full tour schedule, check out their website at www.cityrunningtours.com New York City. And that's city with a Y. Now, on today's show, we're going to continue with our lessons in civics. Today, we're going to try to understand the difference between a republic and a democracy, right? Because last week's show, and for those of you who are just tuning in, I say welcome and thank you for joining us. But if you missed last week's show, you can find it on Spotify and iTunes and also on my show page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. So now, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Today we're going to try to understand the difference between a republic and a democracy. And also to determine which one we think best represents what America is today. But before we get into the heart of the story, let's define the various forms of governmental systems that are in the world today so that we can balance out what we think the United States is, right? When we look about when we look to see what everybody else is doing. Now, we have number 1, a monarchy, and that's a system based upon the undivided sovereignty or rule of a single person. Like, for example, the Queen of England, right? Next, we have an oligarchy, which is a government structure where a small and elite group have power. Something like, you know, a dictator. This is what Tucker Carson from Fox News said Biden would be doing if he was allowed to become the next president of the United States. But I'll have more about that in op-ed. Next, we have anarchy, which which is a state of disorder due to absence or non-recognition of authority. That means no government at all. Then we have a democracy, a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation usually involving periodically held free elections. Then last but not least, we have a republic, a government having a chief of state who is not a monarch or who in modern times is usually a president. A political, un- a political unit, such as a nation, having such a form of government. Now, when we think about all the above forms of government, or the lack thereof, which one do you feel best describes the United States of America? Now, when we think about the infamous members of the United States Constitutional Convention, which met back in 1787, you remember them. We discussed them last week when they all got together to start talking about how to elect a president and decide, ab- and they decided upon the Electoral College. Well, at this convention, they were also discussing which terminology best 
described the colonies. Democracy and republic were used more or less interchangeably at that time in the colonies, but no established term existed for a representative government by the people. So now, after the convention, James Madison, who was our fourth president, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay wrote what was known as the Federalist Papers. Now, one of these essays that was in that whole group of papers that they wrote, Madison defined what he called a pure democracy. Now, this was supposed to be a society where a small number of citizens who assemble and administer the government in person. According to Madison, the two great points of difference between a democracy and a republic are, first, the delegation of the government in the latter to a small number of citizens elected by the rest. Secondly, the greater the number of citizens and greater sphere of country over which the latter may be extended. In short, for Madison, democracy meant direct democracy and republic meant (laughs) representative government. (laughs) Ah, these words, they're tripping me up today. Okay, so now, a French political scientist named Alexis de Tocqueville was so impressed with the system of government that he encountered when he came to visit the United States that he wrote a four-volume study called Democracy in America. In it, he stated that America was the first representative democracy where the fundamental principle of government was the sovereignty of the people. So it seems as though he was taking part of democracy and part of a republic and throwing them together, and that's what his understanding was of our form of government. So now, if we go back to John Marshall, who became a chief justice in the Supreme Court, he stated that the Constitution provided for a well-regulated democracy where no king or president could undermine representative government. So from this thought process, he organized, with the help of Thomas Jefferson, who, as we know, was the principal author of the Declaration of Independence and our third president, the Democratic Republican Party. Hmm. And in 1844, the party changed its name to what we now know it to be, which is the Democratic Party. But, ironically, although Jefferson helped Marshall put this whole group together, and then they finally came up with the name the Democratic Party, Jefferson's philosophy was actually more in line with what today's Republican Party believes. So now, if you're wondering how, okay, we already see how they got the Democratic Party. So now I know you're probably wondering, well, where did the Republican Party come from? I'm going to tell you. It was adopted in 1792 by supporters of none other than Thomas Jefferson. Now, this group of supporters favored 
a decentralized government with limited powers. The Republican Party dates back to 1850 when anti-slavery leaders joined forces to oppose the extension of slavery into the Kansas and Nebraska territories, which was known as the Kansas-Nebraska Act. So now let's think about this. The Republican Party was founded on anti-slavery ideas, thoughts. Interesting. Interesting. And now, if we really did a deep dive into the, the different parties, not just democracy and Republican, but if we really did a deep dive into the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, we would come to see that the Democratic Party that now is so for social, um, social injustice and social programs to help everyone get along, they were actually the party of the Deep South that wanted to uphold slavery. It was the Republican Party that wanted to abolish slavery. So when you see how they both started out and then you see where they ended up today, everything is all mixed and mucked together. You don't know who's for what. You don't under you can't tell left from right. But the thing about that is although if you believe what the parties stand for, now, if we just take them at their purest, the Democratic Party, as we know, they believed in slavery. They were the ones that wanted to succeed from the Union in the South because it was the southern states that wanted to uphold, you know, everything that had to do with slavery. And it was the Republican Party, of course, the party of Abraham Lincoln, that wanted to abolish the slavery because they saw it as being unconstitutional. But now if we held to that belief of the way the parties, how they were founded, then you wonder, like I said, how did it get so where it's all screwed up today? But that's not what we're talking about on today's show. We're actually going to finish with what is a democracy and what is a republic. So now, think about what we just said about all that definition that I gave you up at the top. But here, we're going to I'm going to break it down between the two. Republics and republics and democracies both provide a political system in which citizens are represented by elected officials who are sworn to protect their interests. In a pure democracy, laws are made directly by voting by the voting majority leaving the rights of the minority largely unprotected. And in a republic, laws are made by representatives chosen by the people and must comply with a constitution that specifically protects the rights of the minority from the will of the majority. So here we have it, a democracy governed by people, a republic governed by a constitution and representatives. Democracy is majority rule. Republic is the law rule. Democracy, minority rights are overridden by the majority. In a republic, 
its inalienable rights. The United States, while basically a republic, is best described as a representative democracy. Okay? And now, it has been written that democracy's thoughts concerning the powers of the majority coupled with the temperament of a republic's system of checks and balances, both sides monitored by a constitution that protects the majority from the minority. I mean, that protects the minority from the majority. Oh, gosh, if I kept that first definition, no, no, that's wrong. That would be what Trump is thinking about right now, protecting the the majority from the minority. Let me read that again. (laughs) Okay, the United States is, okay, best described as being a representative democracy. Now, this means democracy has the powers of the majority but the temperament of a republic with the checks and balances. So they both monitor each other by having the constitution, which protects all of the people, okay? So now, the better part of being a republic is that the rights of the minority is protected by the constitution. Now, that's ironic because... Now, see, the Constitution was supposed to protect the rights of the minority, but if you really think back when the Constitution should have been, hmm, when the Constitution should have been protecting the minority, what happened to the 13th Amendment, right? That was with the freedom of freeing the slaves. But the Constitution didn't protect them, and they were the minority. But we're not going into that subject today either. We're going to continue with what we're talking about, which is a democracy and a republic. So now, the better part of being a republic is that the rights of the minority, like I said, are protected by the Constitution. And the American Constitution is interpreted by the U.S. Supreme Court and the lower federal courts. So now, with all that being said, the biggest cases that were brought before the Supreme Court was, can you remember, Brown versus Board of Education. In this case, the Supreme Court found that keeping black and white students separated while learning was unconstitutional. And another example of how the Constitution protected the rights of minority or a minority group is the case of Loving versus Virginia. In this Supreme Court case, they overturned all the remaining laws that banned interracial relationships and marriages. So now, the power that the Constitution grants to the judicial branch, which gives it the ability to overturn laws made by the legislative, the legislative branch, illustrates the unique ability of a republic's rule of law, which is overall to protect the minority from a pure democracy rule of the masses. So when you think of it like that, it does work because when they work the constitution in the way it should be worked, then it works for all involved. So now, to sum it all up, 
with all that we covered where the United States stands and where it comes from, where it comes to our form of government to say, we could look at it like this. Well, this is the way I look at it when I think about everything that I just read with all the breaking down of how the Democratic Party came about, how the Republican Party came about, who were the people that actually were the thoughts and the minds behind putting these two parties together, who was in the same room when they were sitting there at this convention trying to come up with how are we going to elect the president? How are we going to have this go on? How are we going to have that go on? To me, it just looks like the founding fathers didn't want anyone other than white men to have the power in controlling the government, right? I mean, think about it. It stands to reason why they limited the vote to only white landowners, right? Because going back to that constitution with the 13th Amendment, when the, when the slaves were freed, black men should have been voting from then. But if black men were given the right to vote at that moment, they would have been able to decide things that went on in the country. That's not what, that's not what the landowners wanted to take place. So, you think about it. They only wanted, and then, of course, you know they didn't want women it either because it took 100 years for the women to get their right to vote. So they wanted to keep it predominantly with the white land owners. And this is the prevailing thought today, trying to control who can vote and who can't, right? Just look at what's taking place in our country right now. But I don't want to move too quickly into that segment because in op-ed we're going to discuss how the old ways of thinking are still trying to permeate into this new America that we're trying to bring about, right? So with that, we're going to take a little music break and we will return to continue this discussion. You are listening to What Would Kay Say on Radio Free Brooklyn.
straight and narrow trust you to guide my way jesus is you i'll follow follow you all the way ride a coast stand tall for you i'll trade it all just to be with you no turning back no
This is my testimony. My testimony. Jesus, you have turned my life around. I'm a living testimony. I'm so blinded by your grace. You are the truth that lights my way. Everyone's asking how I'm smiling, waiting to make me smile. Lord, you've given me my freedom, so I will sing and testify. So in the name of Jesus, I am free. Oh, yeah. just really can't explain so when they ask me how i made it i'll just point and say it's you because i'm standing here today because i've been delivered by the truth also in the name of jesus praise the lord it is a wonderful something i'm just saying thank you Welcome back to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Now, I want to begin today's op-ed by paraphrasing something that I heard Tucker Carlson say when he was given a commentary on Fox News. Now, normally, I don't watch Fox News, but with everything going on, sometimes you need to know what the other side is thinking. So I turn it on occasionally just to hear what they're talking about. And this is what call this is what Tucker had to say. A liberal believes in the right of all Americans to speak freely, to make a living, to worship their God, 
to defend their own families and to do all that all that regardless of what political party they belong to or what race they happen to be born into or how far from Midtown Manhattan they currently live. A liberal believes in universal principles fairly applied. So now when he was saying all that, and there was much more to it, but these are, this is the things that I had jot down from when I was listening to him. I was like, really? I find that very interesting. Universal principles fairly applied to whom? But now this is what he says. This is the belief of the Republican Party. So now I'm sitting there and I'm like, then he says that um, Biden wants to turn America into a, what did I say? He said, oh, a oligarch, a oligarchy. He wants to turn it into to something where it's just, you know, small pockets of people running the country. So when he said that, I was like, is he talking about the different pockets that are now, you know, in the Democratic Party where you have the Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders and, you know, all those people. And I'm like, what is he talking about? So when I thought about what he was saying, I said, when you speak of it in those terms, just as when I was breaking down what the Democratic Party stood for and what the Republican Party stood for, yes, anyone would want to join a party that thought like that right? It almost makes you believe that this party was totally for the people. The Republican party was, was totally for the people. But I'm like, where did the Republican party lose its credibility with the people? And then I started thinking, I said, could it be that they allowed talking heads to just take over and taint what they really stood for? And if you believe that liberals really believe that, how could you allow people to be persecuted because of the color of their skin or the religious belief that they might have, right? So it goes right back to when I was talking about, it seems as though when they put all these things together, they only wanted white men, landowners in that time, to be in control of the government. So when you think about it now, you have the Mitch McConnell, the Lindsey Graham, right? You have that same type of personality that you had back in the day with the Thomas Jeffersons and the James Madison's, that same train of thought about only they should be able to rule the country or make decisions on what is best for the country, right? But then I also go back to what Tucker was saying. And now if it's a right for all Americans to speak freely, then why were they so quick to label Black Lives Matter protesters as criminals? Or um, as Trump says, they are an anti-terrorist uh, group. So when I just think about it, how they want to stand behind the principles of what the party was first founded on, but yet they distort so many parts of what the party was first founded on. So, and I'm like I said, it's on both sides too, the Democrats too. 
I mean, they were for slavery, so I'm kind of glad that they started distorting what they really wanted to, you know, stand for. But <laughs> I'm sure now when you think about it, it's like, where are the Republicans now? Why aren't they opening their mouth with all the craziness and nonsense that's going on, right? Because silence is agreement, right? When you don't say anything against something, it's almost like as if, well, you're not going to say anything because you actually agree with it, right? So is that why the Republican Party is quiet? They're, caught it, they're calling Biden to congratulate him in the dark, but they won't come out up front to say, let's stop this nonsense and let's go on with the good of the country, right? So now, they don't want to speak to me. They don't want to speak, not, not that they don't want to speak to me, but in my opinion, they don't want to speak to the fact of what's going on with Trump because quiet is kept. Those men, they made a lot of money while Trump was in office, right? They made off quite well. Their pockets became quite fat since Trump was elected into office. And speaking of fat pockets, New York State, the New York State attorney is pushing ahead with the investigation into tax records from the family of the Trump organization's chief financial officer as part of a probe into President Trump's company. And now the Justice Department has um, always had a longstanding policy that sitting presidents cannot be prosecuted for criminal offenses. So the immunity that Trump has while being in office, he's trying to maintain that by launching all these fraudulent um, accusations that the, the um that the election was rigged and that it's a fraud because he needs to stay in office so that he doesn't go to jail because the Manhattan district attorney Cyrus Vance has been conducting a criminal investigation into Trump and his company's business dealings and New York attorney general Letitia James is investigating whether Trump and his company committed tax fraud. So with all these and there's another one that I just heard when I watched The View on Friday that there's this woman that's claiming that he raped her, but he won't give his DNA so that they can test it against, I guess, whatever DNA they got from her when after she had her exam. But th with all this, there is a whole lot of stuff that has nothing to do with whatever he was even doing in office when he was president. He now is going to be facing all these charges when he finally comes out of office. So you could, it stands to reason why he would be so on top of, oh, we got to recount. We got to recount every state. Let's just have, just let's, let's just have election day all over again and recount every dirt state so that we can see if he won or not. But we know that's not going to, it's not going to pan out to anything because there's no, there's no facts or proof that the election was rigged and speaking of someone who's going to be speaking out about all this nonsense tonight former president obama is going to be given an giving an interview on 60 minutes so now he has a new book that's coming out 
and he's going to be talking about his new book and he's going to be talking about what's going on in America tonight. So if any of you guys can catch that, I highly recommend it because I'm going to try to see if I can catch it. I don't usually watch 60 Minutes, but I need to tune in tonight because I really want to hear what he has to say about what's going on. I, I, I know it's going to be very enlightening. So now with that, I want us to go to our word of the month, which our word of the month is hope. And we hope the Republican Party wakes up and stops all of the nonsense that they are allowing to take place. We hope that the Biden team is finally able to see the intelligence briefings that the president presently disregards. And we know we need that for the safety of the country. We hope that all of the recounting finally silences everyone in doubt about this election being a fraud. We hope that the coronavirus does not spread and surge as it had in the beginning of the year, although all signs are pointing in that direction to the point where they were talking about not getting together with your family for Thanksgiving, which I understand because you don't want large gatherings. But I was watching Good Morning America and they were even going as far to say, if you're going to go to someone's house and they're a family member, you need to bring your own food and bring your own utensils. Who does that? That's like having Thanksgiving, bringing, cooking food at your house to pack it up in a plate, to take it to someone's house so you can sit there and eat your own food with your own utensils. You might as well just stay home and get on a Zoom or whatever. But that's what they were saying, that just to be totally cautious about where you go and what you're eating and who you're around, you should just bring your own stuff. I just was like, oh my gosh. Now, we also hope that all the Americans here realize that wearing a face mask is the right and smart thing to do in order to stop the spread of this virus. We also hope that the American people will learn to listen to all the facts and not just the ones that make them feel comfortable. Our promise for this week comes from Mark 10, 27 to 30. And as usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. So now those four scriptures tell me 
that God promises to give you back whatever you left for the sake of the kingdom. A hundredfold in this lifetime. Changes are on the horizon. We just have to wait for them to come. And with that, I say be a blessing to one another. Be kind to one another. Make sure you wear your mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. And until we meet again, God willing, next Sunday, peace. Stand still and know that he is God. And there's no need to fight. For the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's.
You see my need, you hear my cry.